Hey everybody, it's Chris. If you're a sports fan like me, or you're just a fan of a great story, you gotta check out Press Box Access, a sports history podcast hosted by Todd Jones. Todd sits down with fellow sports writers who experienced firsthand some of the biggest sports moments of the past 50 years, and they share some of the stories behind the stories, some of which they've only told to each other. What I personally love are the wild stories that you might not hear so much about on SportsCenter over the years. Like when Indiana-based sports journalist Bob Kravitz recounts the time Bobby Knight showed up naked to an office meeting with him and then banned him from the Hoosiers' locker room for the next three years because Bob wrote a story he didn't like. Or when Alexander Wolfe tells a story about going out on the town in Chicago with Dennis Rodman and Carmen Electra in the middle of a Bulls playoff series. Or when Dan Wetzel talks about what it was like to be in the media room when Temple basketball coach John Chaney stormed into UMass coach John Calipari's press conference after a game and threatened to kill him. These wild and fun stories, paired with stories about real sports greatness, you know, like the 1970s Steelers being the greatest NFL dynasty ever, or the legendary rivalry between Larry Bird and Magic Johnson, and even the impact of protests for social justice issues in sports, make Pressbox Access a show you should check out. Pressbox Access is part of the Evergreen Podcast family, and it's available all the places you get your pods, and you can also find Pressbox Access on YouTube. Go check it out. If you're still deciding on your spring break getaway, Amtrak's got just the ticket. You can visit cities from D.C. and Philly to New York and Boston, all while enjoying more sustainable travel. Amtrak produces up to 83% less carbon emissions than traveling by car or plane. And did we mention the extra legroom and comfy seats? Book early and save at Amtrak.com. Click or tap the banner. Emissions comparisons vary depending on route and locomotive type. Restrictions may apply. Hey everybody, Satan here. I know what you're thinking. Jesus Christ, Satan has a podcast now too? No, no, that's not it. But I am here to tell you about a podcast, and it's one that's all about my favorite band, Punchline. Not the band you expected me to say, right? You probably figured I'd like Slayer, or maybe some backwards Beatles records or something. Those are okay. But you usually find me rocking out to fan-favorite punchline albums like Action or Lion while I'm torturing dead people for all of eternity. Punchline's podcast is called A Band Called Punchline, and it's super entertaining to listen to this documentary-style look back at the 25 years of my favorite band. Honestly, I'm really feeling like I'm getting to know these guys, and their story is amazing. I'm so ready for them to get down here. I have so many questions. I gotta give them credit for catching on to my whole 37 thing, too. There's a reason why they're my favorite band, and if you listen to their podcast, they might become yours, too. A band called Punchline is available wherever you listen to podcasts. Check it out, and I'll see you all in hell. Matthew Milligan is back, this time to talk teen pop music, Radio Disney, and meta songwriting with potential breakup song by Ali and AJ. Does taking too long to call a significant other on their birthday really deserve the vengeful song treatment? 
Ali and AJ might think so, hence the potential in the song title. But do we agree? Stay tuned to find out. One hit is all you need To make the money guaranteed And you can live off royalties Forever And it makes me wonder Is it just a wonder Or is it one hit thunder So Ali and AJ I honestly think I just heard of them for the first time this week Apparently... They have been popular for a long time. This is the first I've heard of them. Matthew, is this your suggestion for this episode? It is, yes. And I assume that you're possibly a fan or are you just more interested in this song? Well, like you, I think the only reason I know this track as well as I do is because I had a younger brother who was the right age for, so we have to get into all of this, but I guess one of them started off on... Is it Phil of the Future? It was a Disney show. They, they're they both Disney actresses. Yeah. They come from that Disney world. But I actually knew one of them because for at least the first five or six seasons, I was a huge fan of the Goldbergs, and she was a mainstay on the Goldbergs, oh, where yeah. she also was a singer. I think that one is Allie? Question oh, mark? But I, I, I don't know. We're going to make that which. mistake several times, I'm sure. It's oh, okay. I'm sure. But she played Lainey, on, uh, Lainey, which was the Goldberg sister's best friend um, for the whole run of the Goldbergs. Uh, so I was like, oh, this person's a really yeah. talented singer. Then I found out she had a uh, pretty extensive recording career. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So I think that's why I heard them like back in the day when this song, I, I did. He- I remember hearing the song when it came out and when it was popular but i also think that it was popular as we're just discussing in a way that was not it was popular but still kind of niche i don't think that necessarily the average person would know this song certainly not by name yeah ali and aj all things considered especially when you're looking at disney in 2000s where you have the jonas brothers and you have miley cyrus happening like this is the only song that they had that even slightly cracked into the top 40 and even yeah. then i think it was their only top 20 like they were nowhere near the hit makers that Disney was producing with a bunch of other stars. That kind of led to a lot of why they didn't become bigger because it seems like they also didn't want to be part of that Jonas Brothers thing and kind of shifted their sounds more aggressively way before the Jonas Brothers and Miley Cyrus decided to well, do so that's same. And that's what was interesting because I, I remembered liking the song fondly and when I was, you know, we were talking about doing another episode, I was looking at a list of options and, you know, without naming one, there was another song on the list. I was like, I saw this one. I was like, oh, that would be interesting to talk about. And then I saw another one that I was like, oh, this is like a much cooler song to talk about. Then <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you know what? No, I'm not going to pick the cool song. I'm going to go with my gut and we're going to talk about this weird uh disney crossover sort of thing so it's not weird that i don't that i didn't know this song before preparing for this i don't think so i mean maybe people will say otherwise but yeah I, i feel like if i didn't have a younger brother who was watching disney who knew that they were doing a thing because of that i doubt i would have heard this either I only vaguely know this song because of my little sister. Like this was like she was she was like every time you came to the house, she was watching Hannah Montana and stuff like that. So yeah. I had that exposure to that era of Disney as well. 
but I never really dug into the song until last night to prepare for this. And I mean, I'll, I'll throw this out there right out the gate. I love the weird musical homage to Runaway by Del Shannon that like kicks off and closes out this song that's like blended into it. It's a it's a weird song. <laughs> it like, is a weird song, yeah. <laughs> what year is this from, real quick? I want to say this is 2007. Okay, I figured it was like 07, 08. Yeah, there's a lot of things I want to talk about with this song before we get into Ali and AJ. Yeah. I do think auto-tune pitch correction, whatever you want to call it, can be used musically. And it has been around long enough now where people use it as on purpose, not yeah. correcting their vocals, but use it as an instrument and use it tastefully and use it creatively. I kind of feel like it's here to stay to a certain extent. Sure. Yeah. But in this song... It feels really of the time and completely unnecessary in that ver you know, in the verse. I kind of yeah. don't understand. You're a good singer. Why is it on there other than that was very popular to use in a lot of popular songs at the time? Yeah, I, I think that it must be because I agree with you completely. It is funny how it's like it's just just in the mix enough where you're like, this is gratuitous where they clearly whoever was mixing it like, oh, we need to make sure people can hear that yeah. this has auto-tune because this is really in right now. Yep. And your song, you'll you'll be happy this is on your song. Right. Prime example of that, I, I didn't even write this down when I was doing it, but T-Pain had two of the songs in the top 10 when this song peaked. There so exactly. Like, exactly. We, are, we are in peak auto-tune era. Another yeah. example <laughs> of a dude who can sing like an angel, but yeah. to, to his credit, he is... One of the artists that made it such a huge thing. And yeah, that makes sense. I was going to say 2007, 2008, that had to be the peak of that. Is that around the time of the 808s and Heartbreaks too, probably? Probably. I, I think right so, in. yeah. So this was 2007. I just double checked. And uh, 808s, 2008. So there you go. Yeah right, yeah, right in line with all that stuff. Okay, yeah. So right. That's one part of it. I noticed lyrically that <laughs> I would like to... Hear your oh, opinion. Uh, yeah. The lyrics like, on this song. Yeah. We right. could talk about only the lyrics for the whole episode, and I would be happy because this is so crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so there's also there's something else worth noting about the lyrics, though, is that two years ago, Allie and AJ... So there's technically three versions of this song, right? Yeah. There's the original record version, and then Disney made them record a separate version that added a couple words so that the song was less sexual. Ooh. So instead of them saying, getting me, it was changed to getting to me. And the line, without you, without me, you're going to die, they had to replace the word die with the word cry for the Disney radio <laughs> version of it. But then in 2020, Ali and AJ released the version, which they said was with the original lyrics that they had written, which was the explicit version of the song, where it's uh, the fact that it was my birthday, my fucking birthday, and a few other fucks and shits mixed in there, which yeah. at first I was like, oh, this is just them being edgy. But then reading the lyrics, I'm like, it makes so much more sense if stupid is fucking in this lyric from the gate. I thought that right <laughs> off the bat. I figured before I even knew they had anything to do with Disney, I was just listening to the song because I didn't know it. And I was like, oh, this must be the because so, yeah. he says my stupid birthday. Like they <laughs> I say, know exactly. They would. Well, it's funny. Cuss. I actually have <laughs> a little bit of insight here. A friend of mine 
wrote a song that became a single for the Jonas Brothers. Mm-hmm. And they did the same thing to the Jonas Brothers. They made them change. Really not offensive. I forget even like, you know, fucks and shits. It's a song called The Year 3000. Oh, I know that one. Yeah, there you go. And <laughs> in the original version, the chorus is uh, like, I've been to the year 3000. Not much has changed, but they live underwater. And your great, great, great granddaughter is pretty fine. And Disney made them change that to is doing fine. <laughs> I know. They were just like, they thought that had a connotation of like sexual desire. And that's no good for Disney. So it just had to be like, just want you to know we checked up on her and she's very happy. But so, so and that was around this same time as well. So that does check out. They were, um, I think, being very, I think Disney radio, especially then, must have been its own entire ecosystem for them. And they were probably very, very cautious about uh, what they let through. For sure. And I do want to also point out one thing in the lyrics, because I enjoy this in songs, but I'm not sure about how the two songwriters on the podcast feel about it. I love songs that acknowledge that it's a song that they're having to write. So the line, dude, this is I, the I have potential. that in my notes. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> our meta. album it's needs a me- just it's one. It's a meta song. It's so meta. <laughs> <laughs> that was what I was going to say when I was going to get into the lyrics, Matt, is I was going to bring that up. Yeah. A song recognizing that it's a song (laughs) do we like do we like that i don't know yeah i don't mind it there's a small part of me inside that like i a little bit cringe but i don't know why i don't really have a fundamental problem with that the thing that just cracked me up about this as a listener of music generally speaking lyrics are always like the last thing i really dial in focus on i'm always like listening to the production and the melody of the song that's always what i hear first and then when i actually went and read the lyrics for this the whole thing just cracked me up so much just because I love the idea, like it's in verse one, the only thing, the whole thing is about this person has been wronged and it's like, I'm potentially breaking up with you for this. And it's only that on her birthday, he took too long to call her back. <laughs> he didn't, he called back. She called him, he called back, but it took too long and it was her fucking birthday. <laughs> right. And now we have not only a song about it, but a song referencing the fact that you forced me to write a song. This is a song about how you forced me to write a song about how you you have hurt me on my birthday. And we're gonna and Uh, we're gonna potentially break. And we're gonna potentially break up. Not for sure. No. Yeah. 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 Because it sounds pretty sure. Like a lot of the lyrics are like, "For sure, you're out." But then it's like potential breakup song. So let me let me throw a, a different perspective on this because this is what I'm thinking, and mm. I'm a huge fan of this band that never really blew up as big as they could have been. Um, the Ergs are either of you familiar with the band The Ergs? Yeah, I only know Mikey Erg. Do- is that who does? The- yeah, he's like the, the main guy from The Ergs. I should yeah. actually say I okay. I know mostly from Mikey Erg. Okay, yeah. So okay. they put out this album that was like a concept breakup album, and the middle of the album is a song called "Praying for Rain." Him as a songwriter is stifled by happiness and like he's willing to ruin a really good relationship to be able to still write the brokenhearted mm. songs that yeah. he's better at right. doing. 
So I almost wonder if there's a perspective of like, hey, I know that this isn't a big deal, but my album really needs a breakup song. So I'm going to like blow this shit out of proportion because as they said, our album needs just one potential breakup song on it. Um, That's a good way to look at it. And by the way, I I forgot that's so the this is the potential breakup song. That line's not super cringy to me. The lyric, our album needs just one. That makes me feel a little weird. Yeah. That's a little too on the nose for me. (laughs) Right. There's some quality about this song that my first instinct upon hearing this song, and I'm a sucker for bubblegum pop music. I like it. I liked it as a kid. I love one of my favorite artists is Carly Rae Jepsen, who has gone way, way beyond Call Me Maybe, which I even like that song, but way beyond that, she just consistently makes these feel-good pop songs. I think they're always perfect. I think she's known as like the queen of bubblegum. Yeah. The queen of bubblegum pop. But there's something about this song <laughs> that makes me feel like it would be one of those examples of we made a bot listen to a thousand hours of <laughs> Disney radio and this is what it wrote. And just everything about the production. It feels like music that a 13 or 14 year old would like. I get that. But th- there's not there's something missing musically from this song and i'm sure i could figure out what it is maybe it's like a minor chord here and there maybe it's like a little bit a little bit of quirkiness somewhere the the quirkiest thing about this song that i could find would be like the castanets in the chorus or maybe that auto tune but it's just too over the top major for me or something like it really if i listen to this song 10 times in a row i would probably be suicidal (laughs) i think like it's just too it's too much yeah i think that it's an interesting thing to compare to where we are now in 2022 though because think about the fact that they had to change all of these lyrics for radio disney in 2007 for this song but now like radio disney is all about olivia rodrigo who curses like a sailor in all of her fucking songs and they gave her a a docuseries on disney plus about the recording of that album and like the anger and pain that she was in while writing it like (laughs) it's it's really interesting how they've really shifted on that well in 15 years i also think it's funny and I wanted to bring this up. Find me an example where this hasn't happened. Someone that has had a career because of Disney. It is like a real <laughs> moment in their career where at some point they say the word fuck. Yeah. Like, like that. <laughs> yeah. they've crossed the threshold. They've said this word, the most overused word in the human language. They said it in a song now. Yeah. That's like step one of... I'm adult now. Yeah. I just think Olivia Rodrigo is the quickest that that's ever happened because sure. it was like in the middle of her. Mo- Usually, it's after their Disney moment. <laughs> right? No, it's true. It's Disney, and then I mean, it's even like I was just thinking about. There's um, the video kind of going around right now of Miranda Cosgrove on a podcast cursing and people freaking out. That's right. like yeah. like it. It's it is a p- factor of like these people who we get to know when they're so young and we act like they're innocent. And I'm saying we, like Disney, Nickelodeon, all of these networks are like, presents these people like they are perfect, angelic children. And then it, when we right. see that crack, it's like morbidly satisfying to the public, I think. I, I don't know why. Um, it's interesting, though. Well, it, it falls into a very similar category that I've been seeing in the last 10 years because Allie and AJ, their first 
pseudo well-received single did well on Christian radio. <laughs> yeah, I think their first thing was kind of a straightforward sort of Christian Was, was christian and there's yeah. a lot of stuff now, too, where it's like, oh, all these like dudes who were in Christian bands in the 90s are now cursing a bunch. Yeah, <laughs> Katy Perry took that same path. Katy Perry made a Christian record and then was like, ah, that's just not making me enough money. I'm going <laughs> to go a different route. Yeah. But I love that it's always just cussing. Yeah, and I, that's all it is, yeah. Literally, it's just the word fuck, which once again, how is that still a swear word? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that It's so overused. How It's not like, oh, Allie and AJ, they were Disney stars, but now they're sacrificing uh, <laughs> small animals outside of there. No, it's nothing like that. That's a it's story nothing. I want to hear. I mean, yeah, right. <laughs> Ellie and AJ did another thing that I think was a, a good way of making sure that they upset whoever their original Christian fan base was, though, because uh, now they use their platform to discuss the importance of LGBTQ issues, the importance of voting uh, blue, supporting Planned Parenthood, and are staunch supporters of Black Lives Matter. So I'm pretty sure you're not going to I'm going to hear them on the local Christian radio station. Yeah. Well, and then so like now to, to zoom out a little bit more still, like that's what I think is interesting, like. I didn't do a ton of research on this, but from what I understand, like it is very impressive, you know, production and, you know, even the songwriting for its flaws, notwithstanding, like they wrote this song. I don't think there were many Disney people who were actually given the keys to write the material at that time period. Like I am impressed. I looked and I was like, they have a, at least a co-write on every song on this record, um, which is wild. I think that's great. Of course, that's going to endear me to an artist that they write their songs and that they they play their yeah. instruments and everything. Of course, I like that. But then the other side of me is like, well, wait a second. Isn't that what you're supposed to do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree completely. It's doing it inside what is like, because I, I feel like the Dis especially 2000s Disney, almost more than any other period, was so micromanaged by like hundreds of different people making sure that everything fell into a very specific piece. So the yeah. idea that they like trusted these two girls, which theoretically paid off Hollywood records, despite having groups like suicide machines and, and insane clown posse on it at one point was a Disney owned record label. This song at the time it was released in 2007, which keep in mind, it only peaked at 17 was the highest selling single at that time by wow. any Hollywood records okay. artist. Wow. So it was a gamble that paid off for them to be like, hey, let's just let these two girls, they seem like they know what they're doing. Let's trust them on their on their songwriting. It paid off. They got, this is kind of weird, BBC Radio compared them to like a women's angst uh, My Chemical Romance so was the comparison that, that BBC so Radio off. made. That is, that is a very generous comparison. Oh, that, that's like the word. That's someone who never listened to music before making a comparison. That is not right. <laughs> I've heard two yeah, bands. That's bizarre. <laughs> I've heard Ali and AJ, and I've heard My Chemical Romance, and they both have guitars. So I yeah. think that this is comparable. Wow. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. I'm not going to lie here. I've become a factor fanatic lately. I'm a busy guy and getting to eat restaurant quality meals that are ready to heat and eat in two minutes has been amazing. 
Eating better is easy with Factors' delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You have 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. And also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. I've been spreading the word to everyone I know, not just here on the podcast, but in person as well. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. You get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And the math doesn't lie. Factor is less expensive than takeout. Plus, considering every meal is dietitian approved, it's also nutritious and delicious. So what are you waiting for? Get started today by heading to factormeals.com slash one hit 50 and use the code one hit 50 to get 50% off. That's code one hit 50. The words one hit and the number 50 that is at factormeals.com slash one hit 50 to get 50% off. Hailing from the Garrettscape. Welcome one and all to Masters of the Media. In a land of pop culture podcasts, I, filmmaker Garrett Briones, and my quote-unquote co-host Jack Watson look at the why of the stories we love and figure out why they connect with us. The show is all about loving the media you love and appreciating the underappreciated. It's a celebration of storytelling and also two pals making each other laugh at random impressions and the silliest things you can imagine. You can find Masters in the Media on all your favorite podcatchers and right here on the Geekscape Network. We hope to see you all on the Garrettscape. I think they're talented. I think they're good. Yeah. They're obviously good singers. They're obviously good players. I watched some live videos of them. They're obviously good. I haven't really heard. I think the closest thing to a song that I really enjoyed by them, which this is really funny, but I think this was very early early in their career, and it may have been for a soundtrack of a Disney movie, but they did mm. a cover of Do You Believe in Magic? And I was yep. like, oh, this that is was, nice. It's for a Disney movie. I forget which one. I want to say Ice Princesses, yeah, you're but right. it's definitely you're right. for a Disney movie. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I put on the record that this song is on because I don't think I had ever heard the record. I had just heard this song and it was a fairly quick 30 second skip. Right. 30 right. Second <laughs> skip. I, I did not hear something else on the record that I particularly enjoyed. I like this song. I'm definitely into it. But uh, yeah, it was hard. I did listen to they put out a new record two years ago or a yeah. year ago. Yep. Um, And I listened to some of that and that I was pleasantly surprised by. It didn't like, interestingly, nothing immediately jumped out at me as like, I, n- nothing like rocked my world, but the overall aesthetic of it was this like kind of like 70s like rock and roll, like very throwback classic rock type vibe, very mm-hmm. like surfy, sunrise, you know, you know, California beachy record. And I enjoyed that quite a bit. I, that, and that was when I looked. I was like, did they write these songs? And then I went back, I was like, oh my God, they write everything. Yeah. Well, they, they, Asked to be removed from Hollywood Records at the peak of this song because they they want it to do a more rock album. They said they actually ended up changing their not their name to Seventy Eight Violet, which is not a particularly good name. I, I saw that, and then they wound up not really releasing anything under that name. Yeah, um, but they were, were they were writing songs with Rivers Cuomo at that time. They were working with pretty much all the producers that work with Green Day. Like it seemed like they were really trying to stack the deck on putting out a, a good pop rock 
album and i really didn't track i didn't find any i stood I, out I wonder if that, that name thing was a like disney legal dispute oh i'm sure it probably was i'm sure I, disney I, claimed you know, that they own their names i was gonna say yeah well that's <laughs> it's always one of those weird things where it's like i've heard these stories before of uh where you know it's like oh you signed a deal with us so we own you know your the name it's like that's my name like it's not an artist name it's not a band like you that's just the name that i have and i guess uh, maybe that was like a a stopgap to continue while they were disputing it and then they resolved it before they actually could release any material under the other name or maybe one song came out under that name it was something like that yeah it was not it was a very short-lived name change for sure um also just a fun little fact about this song in in 2007, when it was released, Time Magazine ranked potential breakup song the ninth best song of the year. <laughs> so Wait, high you price. don't have the rest of that. You don't have the rest of that list handy, do you? <laughs> I don't have the rest uh. of that list handy, but I can tell you what was hanging out in the charts when this song okay. peaked. So the number one song was Plain White Tees, Hey There, Delilah. Ooh. I would put Hey There, Delilah above this song. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That dates <laughs> number... it really well in my mind, though. That's a, yeah. that's a good reference. <laughs> number two was Fergie's Big Girls Don't Cry. Okay. Umbrella by Rihanna was a, was on the chart. There we go. And yeah. then here here's here's a song that makes me think. Okay, maybe this could have been the ninth <laughs> best song of 2007. Uh, also on the charts, a potential episode of One Hit Thunder. I'm sure. Hurricane Chris with a Bebe. Uh, oh, I don't even a know Bebe. what that is. <laughs> I don't. Uh, I pretty much did the whole song. It's just a Bebe. Yeah. A Bebe. A baby, a baby. Okay, I must have been living under a rock this year, dude. 2007 hip hop was not exactly the best place to be if you it was weren't a transitional Kanye West. time. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, in case you were curious, when this song was at number 16 or at 17, it was sandwiched between Fall Out Boy's "Thanks for the Memories" at 16 okay. and Amy Winehouse's "Rehab" at Ooh. 18. Um, rehab making its way down the charts at this point. Like it had already hit oh. its peak and was coming down. Oh, it was coming back down. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I was going to say this song, you can't I even like, <laughs> comparing sorry, this to rehab. Sorry, is Allie like, and AJ, you cannot be compared. There's no comparison here. I'm prepared to defend this a little bit, but not that far. No, <laughs> I'm going to see if I can find that time article magazine because if, if rehab isn't on that list, then oh, there's no. a serious problem. That's a re- yeah, that's the whole list is invalid. If every Amy Winehouse single <laughs> from that year isn't on this list yeah. above this. Just the entire track list to Back to Black. <laughs> yeah, but as far as Ali and AJ go, I didn't hear a song that I actually liked. I mean, I guess this potential breakup song is best song that i heard i feel like they're good and i really believe that if i dug deep enough into their catalog i'm gonna find a song where i'm like oh yeah okay now i like this but just didn't find it i feel like i should like this yeah i agree with you i i felt the same way like i i felt like there was another thing like hiding and i could not find it Mm -hmm. but i love the thing that i was drawn to with that other the newer record is like just the overall spirit of what they're doing like impressed me because right it's seemingly by every measure, especially considering how far removed this song is now. Like, I think for people like them, actresses who are still acting as well, like you don't do this unless you want to. This is clearly not a money making thing for them at this point. This is like they just want to make records, and they seem to be doing it at a relatively small scale for them, just for like you know their own love of it, which impressed me. I don't think there's, again, I I don't know. I there I can't think of another. Disney related artist I've seen who has done that who has like hit this like Disney peak ish again Ali and AJ did not hit the levels of Jonas Brothers or any of these other things but then continued to do it on this very kind of like almost indie scale Um, that's that's interesting to me 
that's a great point that it seems like they're in it for the right reason. They're yeah. in it because they love writing songs. They love performing. Yeah. And being that they're songwriters and musicians and not just pop stars manufactured by Disney, it seems like they would be doing this even if they didn't have the Disney bump early yeah. in their career. I think that's really cool. And obviously when you look into them and the fact they care about a lot of causes that I don't know are important to me. Yeah. Once again, along the same lines of me saying, well, aren't you supposed to write your own songs and perform <laughs> yeah. your own songs or along those same lines? Like, yeah, aren't you supposed to be all about like the good stuff? Like, you know, of course. right. Rights for the LGBTQ community and Planned <laughs> Parenthood and all this. But it's not quite that obvious, just as writing your own songs and performing your own songs isn't as obvious as it should be. It's so true. I, I got to give them credit for that. That that always endears me to an artist. And to take that even a little bit further, they did come from a you know Christian start. And I still think that they're, to a certain extent, Christians. And even in the past decade or so, the one like negative thing I saw about them was that they were evolution deniers. <laughs> I love that they turned around on that. It's so they funny. Did. Yeah, they did. They did. I think the quote was something along the lines of, it's just like a a glow up of the mind. Well, <laughs> they, like, they, okay, said, they cool. said God, God didn't just bless us with a body glow up, but a mind glow up, which yeah. I think is a really funny way to put it. Hey, as long as you come around, you got to commend people when they can, you know, be like, yo, what I thought before, that was kind of dumb. Absolutely. So, so, you know, you can't just talk shit on them for, you know, I'm sure there's things I thought it's, I can't think of any off the top of my head, but I'm positive <laughs> there are things that I thought before, where now I look back on that, whatever believer thought and be like, no, what was I thinking? I'm yeah. sure we've all, we've oh, all. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, people, people grow. People evolve. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I thought the same thing. Like, it does seem like they've actually grown, but I love any, like, um, you know, I also loved the idea of them, like, making Christian music and then doing a Trojan horse approach to then <laughs> inserting their more uh, palatable ideas into that, uh, into at least some of that world by people who are yep. willing to listen. I always appreciate people who start there and then switch and try to, like, bring people with them right or be yeah. or the people that can be like and we've seen this countless times yeah. i'm sure matt can agree with this that countless times artists that come from that world they still remain christians but they're like yo i'm normal i just yeah. happen to believe that there's a god right, or right, whatever right, right, right. but you know i'm not a wacko i'm normal there are yeah. some of us who are normal a lot of the uh whatever tooth and nail bands of the 90s and 2000s that they were christian bands but you know most of those people are like yo i may or may not believe anymore but i'm not a weirdo <laughs> pretty 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 common thing it's yeah. a high but tough bar for christian people to ju just get past don't be a weirdo <laughs> like... yeah right <laughs> i'm all i commend that if you're a if you're a religious person and you get past the uh, I'm not a weirdo thing. I, I I think you're doing a good job. Okay, so I did finally track down the the time list. I had to sit down and write it down because it was one of those stupid lists where you had to click to the next page for every single <laughs> entry on the top ten list. Love it. So number one was Rehab by Amy Winehouse, oh, where it okay. absolutely All right, deserves what a to relief. Be. Number <laughs> yeah. two was One Two Three Four by Feist. 
Okay. Um, all right. All right. Three was Umbrella by Rihanna. Yes. All right. Four was All My Friends by LCD Sound System. Okay. Okay. Wow. Okay. Number five was Jigsaw's Falling Into Place by Radiohead. Oh, wow. This list has cred. Now I'm, I'm yeah. impressed that they put this on it. Wow. <laughs> wow. Num- they put Ali and AJ got on a list with <laughs> I was gonna Radiohead say. and LCD Sound <laughs> System and yeah. Amy Winehouse. Number six was I Got Money by 50 Cent. Number seven was Hey There, Delilah by The Plain White Tees. Sure. Um, I have no clue how to pronounce this, so this is going to go poorly for Can't me. Can't wait. But it looks <laughs> like, like Me La Main Kali by Muntachuchu. Montechuchu. I don't know what I don't know what this is, but just hearing you say it was really satisfying. I don't know what you're trying to say. They were praising this person for being a world artist who can sing in eight different languages, and like how amazing this. So maybe that's not on any of our radars. That's okay. They put him just above Ali and AJ. That was as far as he could do. And then the artist that could not surpass Ali, Ali and AJ. Circa 2007 was the Fratellis with Baby Fratelli. Um, oh, so okay, <laughs> I know the Fratelli. I don't that name. I don't know that song. Doesn't, yeah, I don't think I know that song. That's weird. Maybe yeah. maybe that's why it only hit at ten. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So. But yeah, so that was that was Time Magazine's rankings of the ten best songs of the year. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So it, have we have we come to the time where we have to make the decision? I think so. I think it's yeah, I guess we're ready. I guess so. All right, I'll I'll go last. <laughs> <laughs> well, Matt, you picked this, so you. Should I go did. First. So I okay. I'm going. I'm going Thunder because I do think this is a really good song. I enjoy it a lot. I think it's super. To me, this is not only hits markers I really enjoy in a just like totally streamlined radio friendly pop song, but it makes me a little bit. I don't want to say this in a way that makes me sound too old because I actually like a lot of radio pop right now, but this makes me nostalgic for this time period where it was so sugary. We don't really have this anymore, and I like the like just total ear candy of this track. We don't have it anymore until like Carly Rae Jepsen puts out a record that doesn't oddly doesn't really get played on the radio so much anymore because it's just yeah. not the right thing, you know? Right. So I'm going Thunder. I did not hear another song i didn't listen to everything in their catalog but i didn't immediately hear another song that grabbed me like this did and i wish that i had but i love the fact that they're still doing it i respect the fact that they're making indie records and touring essentially just doing club shows i saw that like they're playing i think i saw that they're doing like tla in philly like those those are clubs you know it's not um they're not a huge touring act so they're doing it for the love as best i can tell and i respect the hell out of that so for that i'm going thunder I'm with you. I'm giving this thunder. I, I mean, this isn't exactly the most like resounding thunder I've ever given something. When we get to the end of the year where we're ranking the songs of this year, I don't see this bad boy cracking the top 10 or it's even number the top nine. 20. We already established yeah, No, yeah, that's true. It's only it's number nine. <laughs> but I I really do like this song. I think it's an interesting song. It the the comparison to My Chemical Romance is insane. But what I do think when I hear this song is similarly to how like blondie would take like hip hop and do like the the 80s white girl version of hip hop or do like tied as high as like the 80s white girl version of reggae yeah. there's there's something interesting about this song where it's like it's kind of electropop but it's got like this almost like a pseudo ska upstroke riff kind of going throughout it and then like i said it's sampling this 50s rock 
piano piece throughout it with the la 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 la's underneath it. Like there's just mm-hmm. a lot of weird mashing of sounds. And I do think it's a re- like I listened to this song probably five or six times in the last 24 hours just trying to digest it. And I wasn't like miserable that I listened to it that many <laughs> times in a row. Like there there's some songs that I can't handle listening to twice. So like, yeah, I, I didn't hate this song. And also just I'm going to give them thunder because they do seem like they are just two really good people. So, you know, again, as I say, anytime we talk about an artist that especially one that we give some thunder to open door if you if you all want to come on and talk about your favorite one hit wonder we'd love to have either ali or aj on this show and invite me back if that happens please i think you guys have good points the thing about them still i mean that's one of the things we're always giving people blunders for is like yo you had this huge song this success and then you didn't then you just quit like that's one of our biggest blunder factors on i was gonna say the other song i was considering picking was one of those types of stories Okay, and I yeah. actually thought I was like, God, I had another one of those because I he, I listen to this show all the time and I hear you guys talk about it. It's like, yeah, those are those are bummer stories. Yeah, I mean, it's if you have success that you could make a music career out of it, and then you're just bitter about the fact that what your next album didn't sell as much or your next single didn't blow up as much as that one. I mean, be happy you had one. That's, yeah, that's one of the main themes of this show. They had one just because I don't want to listen to it necessarily. It is, it's not like the worst song I ever heard, but it's not, it just something about it doesn't appeal to me. But the long career, cool people writing and and recording and performing, uh, you know, everything about them. And I'm sure if I dug deeper, I'm going to find a song or two that I do like. Mm. I can just tell. I like their voices. I think they seem like cool people. I mean, geez, they they made a music video talking shit on Brett Kavanaugh. How am I not gonna like? I should like. I should love this. <laughs> you know, I'm just. I just haven't heard the right song yet. Yeah. I think of the songs I heard, this is the best. I think they're thunderous. And hey, another thing about them is they're still making music, yeah. and. Maybe they're not going to be a one. Maybe they're going to have another hit. Why couldn't they? That was the other thing I was kind of shocked by is that in my brain, I thought that they like broke up and like went and did like acting stuff and then recently came back. But it was pretty much there was never a lull in their career more than like the average lull of any recording artist. You know what I mean? Like it was like, oh, it might be like two or three years between records or whatever, but it wasn't like this song came out in 2007, then nothing until 2020. Like they were just out there doing their thing. Yeah. And again, Uh, I would say that I don't have confirmation of this, but I would bet just about anything that any lulls that you saw in their catalog had to do with legal Disney disputes about changing names, trying to get out of a contract, switching like the, I mean, and considering that, like I've, you know, heard stories of bands where that sidelined them for like a decade. Yeah. 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 But speaking so, of people where legal, uh, uh, an artist that's really never been sidelined, you have a new podcast, Matt. Oh, my God, I do. Thank you for noticing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, uh, myself and uh, Matt Kelly, who you might have heard of, um, are doing a podcast called Weird Algorithm, where we uh, discuss every single song ever by Weird Al, uh, song by song. Uh, each song gets its own episode, and we break it down um, maybe uh, too much. Or maybe just the right amount. Unclear. I mean, Chris Um, is going to be on an episode soon that might be one of our longest episodes based on how important the song is in the overall career. Chris has gotten a coveted episode. I'm very (laughs) excited. I'm excited, too. I've listened to every episode, guys. I've listened to every... About these 
you know, when we're recording this, you guys are just on the first album. And yeah. I'm listening to episodes about Ricky and Happy Birthday and <laughs> Got a Boogie and like all these where it's impressive that you guys are, are getting episodes out of some of those songs. <laughs> so I'm, ex- I'm excited to be on an episode about a very landmark Weird Al mm-hmm. song. And uh, hey, it was nice having you back. You're, hey, this is a triple thunder. And I believe, is this your third? Your third time on One this Hit Thunder? Is th- I think this is my fourth time on this fourth. show. Yeah, this is wow, fourth. Okay. Um, him, and, tri- him and Tony are easy. Him, wow. Tony, and Jim are our three biggest repeat guests. Wow, I love it. I will come back every time to take the crown, number one. <laughs> love it. As long as I rank higher than this song, yep, I'm do. happy. <laughs> This has been One Hit Thunder. One Hit Thunder is hosted by Chris Vefalios of the bands Punchline, Pack, and Another Cheetah, and produced by Matt Kelly of Geekscape.net. Underneath me, you're hearing the punk version of Castaway off the Punchline B-Sides album Night Lights. Visit punchline.com for merch, tour dates, and news. Do you want to start a podcast? Then contact Chris and I at weknowpodcasting.com for how we can make your show sound as professional as possible. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting app, And tune in next week for another episode of One Hit Thunder. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Well, hey, friends. My name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalist. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. Again.